Well, Shani, I took another drive. It seems like you're always driving in these shows, Terry. Such a road warrior. <laughs> well, I have to drive. You blew the travel budget, taking us to medieval Ireland in episode two. I admit it. I do love to travel. And if you're going to travel, go big, go far. So I drove up to Germantown, Maryland, with rare researchers Dr. Andrei Filipov and Captain Richard Kevorkian, who needed to pick something up. So we met up with Christine Wary. Who introduced us to Alan Rowe? Hey, Alan. Good morning. Good morning. Hi, this is Alan. Alan, this is Andre. Andre. Uh, nice to meet nice you. Nice to meet you. Richard. Nice to meet Captain you. Richard. So, Mr. Rowe had the whatever it was Dr. Filipov and Captain Kavorkian needed to pick up for their research? He didn't have it, but we knew where to get it, and he could get the good stuff. Yeah, we can, um, uh, yeah, when we grab the raw, that mean that would be before any treatment happens. Uh, I'll probably have the most, whichever one you want to do. Uh, it's up to you. I don't know which one you want. Let's go with raw. I, I guess uh, raw sewage would be the best. Raw sewage is the best? Okay. Uh -huh. All right. Um, you have the containers you're collecting in? Uh, yes, I do. Okay. I, I wait, 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 wait. Okay. Time right. out. Did Dr. Filipov say raw sewage would be the best? They were collecting sewage? That's the good stuff? For their purposes, it is. Because swimming around in all that other stuff that you find in raw sewage. Mm, Y'all nasty, but go on. <laughs> there are a bunch of little helpers just waiting to be rounded up, raised and grown in the loving household that is rare, and then set loose to pretty much slaughter bacteria. I gotta be honest. This episode has been a bit of a roller coaster so far, and we're only a few minutes in. And we've got a long way to go. Before we talk about those little monsters in the sewage, though, let's just take a minute to recap where we are in season one. We said we had six episodes to share with our listeners in this first season of Rare Science, and this is number five, so we're in the home stretch. In our first episode, we gave a bit of an overview into the problem of antibiotic-resistant bacteria, the topic of this season, and the fact that while it's a growing problem worldwide, it's of particular concern to soldiers deployed to the combat zones because of the types of wounds they receive and the kind of environmental microbes in the soil. We also discussed the mechanisms by which microbes become resistant, and how human actions can make their resistance worse, as well as the ways that the evolution of battlefield medicine has helped us better fight bacterial infections. Finally, we brought you inside the Multi-Drug Resistant Organism Repository and Surveillance Network, which is both a library that collects these bacteria, but also a network of military treatment facilities which provide samples for studies. Hashtag, we were first. <laughs> Today, we get down to discussing some of the ways rare scientists are working to fight these bacteria head on. I'm Army Captain Shani Allen, commander of the headquarters and headquarters company here at the Walter Reed Army Institute of Research, which we call Rare. And I'm Terry Welch, Rare's Director of Strategic Communications. Welcome back to Rare Science. In this episode, We'll tell you more about those creatures being pulled out of the sewage in Germantown. Then we'll talk about researchers using the very shapes of the bacteria against them. We're going to introduce you to the people who are learning to drop trained fighters into your bloodstream. Trained fighters? It's a metaphor. Trust me. Okay. Stay with us.
Okay, here we are back in Germantown at the Washington Suburban Sanitary Commission, or WSSC, wastewater treatment plant gathering that raw sewage. Set the scene for us. What is actually happening? Sure. So when you get to the plant, it's a series of buildings out in the middle of the country. There's this admin building with a parking lot, and rising behind that are some big, round, container-looking structures and some other buildings. Alan Rowe, who's a wastewater operator at the site, drove us out to a little spot, though, near the edge of the property, where there was a hole in the ground with a metal lid on it. The sample was gathered by simply dropping a gallon milk jug with a hole in its side, tied to a rope, down into that hole, into the stream of raw sewage that was running beneath our feet. Inquiring minds want to know, what exactly were they trying to get out of there? That's what Alan Rowe asked Captain Kevorkian. So this is for bacterial infections? Is that... Yes, yeah, so we're collecting phages that target specific bacteria in order to treat wound infections. Ah, I see. I see. Yeah, do you want to explain what he means by a phage? Well, I'll say that a phage is short for bacteriophage, which just means things that eat bacteria. That's not technically what they do. What they do is insert their DNA into bacteria and take them over. The bacteria then either burst, send out a cloud of baby phages, or their systems get hijacked and they basically bud new phages until they die. Bacteriophages are the viruses of bacteria. That's Dr. Michael John Nikolich, a senior researcher in the bacteriophage therapeutic group of Rare's Wounds Department. He said evolution has made bacteriophages very particular about the kind of bacteria they attack. They've had a long run of coevolution with bacteria, so they've been coevolving with their hosts for many millions of years now. Um, so they have a very intimate relationship with, uh, with the bacteria. They, they're very specific for bacteria. And actually, usually they're very specific within, within bacterial groups. So not just specific for a species of bacteria, but also even for a subgroup within a species. And that's why even though bacteriophages were discovered just before antibiotics, they never took off as a therapeutic here in the United States. They were seen as limited. In the United States, where when it really could have ascended, the timing was, unfortunately, at the same time that antibiotics were taking hold. Bacteriophages are very, very different types of antimicrobials because they're very targeted, whereas you had these antibiotics that were broad spectrum and, you know, useful against multiple bacterial diseases at once, you know. So um, pretty rapidly, you know, antibiotics took off and, and phages were kind of left in the dust in the United States and to a lesser extent in Europe, but eventually it happened in Europe as well. Researchers in the West, where antibiotics were being purified and mass produced soon after their discovery, basically said, why would I use this unreliable, very narrow, one bug, one drug sort of thing when I can just use this antibiotic that works seemingly against everything? Well, today we have the answer. As we've discussed extensively, there is a growth in antibiotic-resistant bacteria that threatens to undermine our ability to fight these infections. But still, the question remains, how do we use them if they're so limited in what they can attack? It's pretty simple. They may be very picky in the type of bacteria they attack, but it's not like we're talking about sending one or two bugs scurrying in to get at bacteria. There are a lot of them. Like, a lot, a lot. 
Yeah, so back, uh, bacteriophages are estimated to be the most abundant um, biological entity uh, in the biosphere. So um, it's believed that they're, I think it's around 10 to the 31st to 10 to the 33rd um, bacteriophages. <laughs> Fun fact, 10 to the 33rd power, a one with 33 zeros behind it, is a number known as a decillion. That's a billion times, a trillion times, another trillion. Um, so they're they're everywhere. They're in they're in every environment um, where you find bacteria, and bacteria are almost everywhere on the planet. They're ubiquitous. So let's go back to Germantown, where Dr. Filipov and Captain Kavorkian were getting samples. Every time they dipped that bucket into the water and poured it into their specimen jars. They were coming up with a massive amount of phages. There are millions in every drop of that water. The trick is putting those phages to work. If you're listening to this on your phone, look down at the picture on our Rare Science logo. What you're seeing there are lambda bacteriophages attacking a bacteria. That picture's a bit off because phages are tiny compared to bacteria. So what Rare's bacteriophage therapeutic team wants to be able to do is gather thousands and thousands of phages, package them into an entire squadron of attackers, and send them into the battle against the bacteria in a soldier's body. But how do we do that? So what we did is we then took that raw sewage and then we uh, you know, filtered out all, this, all the solids that we didn't want, obviously. And, uh, and then filter out the bacteria, which are obviously, you know, much larger than a, a, a bacteriophage. That's Captain Richard Kevorkian again. I don't think we mentioned yet that he's the chief of bacteriophage therapeutics. And then we were left with just, a, you know, a, a, a whole bunch of viruses. And then what we could do was then we could then take the pathogens of interest, and the ones that we're obviously interested in are uh, multi-drug resistant pathogens bacteria, and they're the escapee pathogens, this is just the, an acronym for their, their names, and then we can then use the, those as a screen for all the viruses in our uh, wastewater. You may remember we mentioned that acronym, escapee, in the last episode, and also mentioned the Multidrug Resistant Organism Repository and Surveillance Network, or MSN, from which Kevorkian's team can get the bacteria they need to do this work. And just like the MRSN, the phage team has a large number of places from which it can draw samples. It's not all Maryland holes in the ground. <laughs> Rare is in a unique position where we do have overseas labs. And obviously they're, they're very integrated into the, you know, the local scientific environment where we can then you know, use that laboratory network to then isolate phages from those environments. So, you know, obviously, you know, uh, disease is global. There's no local disease really anymore unless, you know, there's obviously some tropical diseases in Arctic, you know, there's some sort of geography, but, you know, in general, pathogens are global. So what we're trying to do is to create a, a cocktail of phages. And so the best cocktails for, you know, uh, infections are very broad. They have, you know, they're not, they're not so specific that they're not going to, you know, affect a pathogen when you go from one state to another. 
So um, what we're able to do is to take these viruses isolated from overseas labs to create the, the broadest cocktails possible because there are slight variations in regional pathogens. So in short, Rare's bacteriophage team gathers phages from around the world, tests them against our collection of antibiotic-resistant bacteria, and then combines promising phages in a number of ways to create mixtures that, eventually, we hope to use to prevent or defeat infections in soldiers in the future. We'll get into how those phages might be delivered in the next episode, but until then, would you like to hear what they found in the sewage? Of course. I went to the lab of senior scientist Dr. Andre Filipov the next day. Sorry, you can hear all the refrigerators running here. I'm sorry about that. And he showed me Petri dishes covered in a gray film, and in that gray were small spots where the film had disappeared, called plaques. Yeah, we have pretty good results here. So uh, in this main experiment, we used uh, 24 different bacterial strains to uh, enrich bacteriophages. And uh, in 23 cases out of 24, we were successful. And you can see on these square uh, plates, uh, even some um, single plaques of bacteriophages. The, each plaque is a progeny of just one bacteriophage. Uh, so, and hopefully uh, we'll use both of them in our future uh, bacteriophage cocktails. So success? Success. So now we come to another way that Rare is working to fight these bacteria. But to tell the story, it seems like we should go back a few years to when a young college student named Schroeder Noble got the opportunity to see something she'd never seen before. On my journey to becoming a physician, I had to do rotations for undergrad research. I went to uh, the University of Georgia um, for under for undergrad, and my major was biology. And one of my steps along the way with completing uh, my biology degree was to do summer research. So I chose to do research in a lab that did protein structure determination using nuclear magnetic re resonance spectroscopy. And it interested me because, okay, they're doing three-dimensional protein structure determination. So you actually get to see um, at the atomic level what a protein, the proteins within your body, what they look like, their three-dimensional structure. When she got to see these proteins in three dimensions, she was stunned, even though the way she describes what she saw might be a little surprising. If you picked up some mud and uh, yeah, balled it up in your fist and kind of made some irregular arrangement of shape with the mud, that would kind of give you the image of what uh, proteins look like. So while she was looking at what appeared to be nothing more than mud balls, what she was really seeing was that very structure of life itself. Well, seeing these mud balls was a very simplistic way of looking at something that was very detailed. What you're seeing is the, the atoms 
um, your nitrogen, your carbons, your oxygen, the arrangement of your atoms in 3D space of a protein. What um, different techniques like NMR X-ray crystallography does, it, it simplifies that atomic structure to something that's, you know, like a ball of mud. <laughs> and within that ball of mud, you get to see, okay, what's the active site within that protein molecule that allows us to manipulate its function, how it works. And today? I am chief of the wound infections department at Walter Reed Army Institute of Research. Dr. Noble is using that X-ray crystallography she talked about to help fight bacteria here at Rare. X-ray crystallography is a process by which X-rays are used to take pictures of a crystallized molecule so you can see their structures at the molecular level. Could you explain how that works? No, sir. No, sir. I cannot. <laughs> Phone in a friend. <laughs> what I can tell you is that what Dr. Noble does is crystallize proteins and then push x-rays through them to get a 3D image. Why proteins? Proteins are the business mo molecules within your body. They do the work. Proteins do the work. So we have this dogma where we have DNA dictates RNA and RNA dictates protein. So protein actually does the work. They are the machines that work within the body so that the body works properly. By getting this photo of the molecule and looking at its structure in this realistic way, you can identify weaknesses in these proteins, places to which new drugs or other therapies can attack. This is called structure-based design. If we're targeting um, a virus or a bacteria, okay, there is something within that protein that I can target to knock out that bacteria, kill those bacteria, so that we can improve our quality of life. Working in conjunction with the rest of the bacterial diseases branch and our experimental therapeutics branch, what Dr. Noble learns from her pictures of mud balls helps discover new techniques to fight antibiotic-resistant infections. The final method of fighting antibiotic-resistant bacteria we're going to discuss is the creation of monoclonal antibodies. Because of COVID, I'm sure lots of people have heard about monoclonal antibodies, but they might not know what they are. The basics are these. They are an antibody that has been cloned and selected to be injected into a person to help them fight off infection. One way to think about monoclonal antibodies and the way they work versus other treatments is this. Imagine an infection any infection, as a surprise military attack. Think of a Pearl Harbor, for example. After Pearl Harbor, as the United States prepared for war, they had to build the weapons and equipment needed to fight that war. They had to build tanks. Planes. artillery. And they had to train the troops to use them as well as to fight.
This is kind of like what your body does when it has been attacked by an infection. Or we should say, when it has been tricked into thinking it has been attacked through the introduction of a vaccine. Your body begins to create the different weapons it will use against what is attacking you. Monocytes, dendritic cells, natural killer cells, B cells, T cells, and whatever else it thinks it needs to build in order to fight the war in which it just found itself. A monoclonal antibody is a B cell that has already been trained against the disease it's being prepared to fight. So when it's attacked, your body doesn't lose time preparing for that fight. It's like the war started and you already had SEAL Team 6 waiting in a plane, ready to go. SEAL Team 6? Sorry, I meant the 75th Ranger Battalion. That's better. What is the purpose of a vaccine, right? I mean, the purpose of a vaccine is to uh, hit you with that immunogen or that antigen and your body makes antibodies. Dr. Daniel Zorowski is the deputy chief of the Wound Infections Department here at RARE. So it's really the same mode of action is still antibodies in, in both situations. In one situation, you're telling your body to make the antibody. Uh, in the situation that we're doing here at Walter Reed um, and others as well, of course, uh, you know, for COVID, is where you can make a monoclonal antibody and then just inject it after the fact. So once someone becomes infected uh, or even prophylactically, you could inject it maybe a day ahead of time, weeks ahead of time uh, as a way to prevent that infection from ever occurring. Dr. Zorowski says that one of the things that makes monoclonal antibodies so effective is that they are adaptable, with the ability to be used before someone is infected, after someone is infected, and in conjunction with other methods of treatment, like vaccines. You can always use an antibody uh, as an adjunct to any standard of care. So if a, if a doctor is going to use an antibiotic no matter what, I'm never going to take that antibiotic out of that doctor's hand, right? Like he, he has to have that tool in his toolkit but it's really nice to give him another tool. You can still use an antibody as well. So when we bring this back to soldier care and, and wound care, um, there are about uh, seven pathogens that are the major wound infection pathogens uh, that are bacteria that, that drive wound infections. Um, but when you kind of look at that window, hey, we've got these seven things we have to worry about, we could potentially make a monoclonal antibody for each one of those pathogens. Like the bacteriophages we already discussed, monoclonal antibodies are best in a mixture since, singularly, they are highly targeted. It's not even just one monoclonal antibody. It's actually making like maybe a cocktail because what's another lesson that we've learned from COVID is that maybe going just after spike protein isn't the best idea. It's actually good to have multiple targets to go after uh, for any given organism because of evolution. Look, it would be possible to spend several hours talking about all the techniques Rare's been working on to try to fight antibiotic-resistant bacteria, but who would listen? So we chose these three therapies to highlight to give you a taste of the work that Rare is doing to help soldiers. In our final episode, we'll discuss the future of this fight, expanding the focus from Rare to the nation and the globe. Before we read the credits, we want to give you a heads up that Rare Science will be taking a couple weeks off both for mission and vacation reasons. And we will return with our final episode of the season on August 9th. Until then, you should know that July is Battlefield Wound Infection Month here at Rare. So if you're interested in the topic... You know what? I'm not even worried about you not being interested. You love us, you love this podcast, and you love all the things that Rare Science has to bring. Let's hope that's true. But if you are, you should make sure to join us on our social media. On Facebook, we are Rare Official. On Twitter, we are just rare. And on Instagram, we are rare underscore official. There are links to all of them under the description of this episode. 
Rare Science is hosted by Terry Welch and me, Captain Shani Allen. It's produced by Terry Welch and Samir Deshpande. Rare Science is a product of the Walter Reed Army Institute of Research, commanded by Colonel Chad Koenig, and the U.S. Army Medical Research and Development Command, commanded by Brigadier General Tony McQueen. Special thanks to Christine Wary and Alan Rowe. Don't forget to subscribe, and as always, if you like the podcast, please review us on your chosen podcast app. It really helps people find us more easily. Thank you, and we hope you'll join us again on August 9th.